Brian Rufo. And your boy, uh, Mike and Niener, or as they call me on the streets, uh, the sling and slash daddy of reviews and other views. Oh shit, we got sling and slash daddy in the house. That's me. You're a good one. Why, why, why need slash film when you got slash daddy? That's what I always say. Shots fired. I only heard slash, and I made up the sugar daddy. Is that what he said? I, I don't I don't I don't know what I said last week, but I, I know it was something around that. Perfect. I did two actually. Logan. 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 But you also shouldn't be too upset if uh, you're getting the Big Lebowski spoiled for you. It's a 20-year movie. <laughs> we'll probably tell you again, but... <laughs> We're probably going to have to remind you at least one more time. Here's our review of The Big Lebowski. Wait, wait let, me, let me explain something to you. Um, I am not Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. You know, uh, that or uh, his dudeness or uh, Duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. Are you employed, Mr. Lebowski? I, I, I want Brian to start off with his uh, new take. I... Uh, new take is just like I don't hate it as much as I did. This is a, is this, this is, a repeat of our last episode? <laughs> this is the third time uh, I've hate I've watched it now. The, this is the third time I've hated <laughs> this movie. Uh, no, this is the third time I've watched it, and the first time I'd even finish it because I just I hate it. Granted, though, it was, like, my first introduction to the Coen Brother movie the first time I watched it. Yeah. So, as both of you know, like, you can't... You have to have some form of a they can be introduction to, to them. Sometimes. Yeah, definitely, 100%. So, I didn't even finish the first one. I, I hated it right off the bat. Um, but this one, I finished it, and I, I really liked, actually, the first, I would say, two-thirds, the first half to the two-thirds. Um, but then once, like, once he met Treehorn, I want to say his name is, Yeah. I just, I lost so much interest in it. Like, I, I felt burnt out, to be honest with you. No, so I literally, I haven't seen this in seven years since the first time I saw it, and I went in pretty uh-huh. film illiterate at the time watching it, and I don't really remember what I thought, I just remember kind of generally going about my life, like, yeah, it's a cult classic, it's, it's a big Lebowski, of course I like it, like, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, 
I, I had the exact same experience. Like, you know, we, we were 20 minutes in and I was like laughing a pretty decent amount and just kept thinking like, man, like John Goodman is so good in this. And, oh, he was so good in this. And, and, he was like the reason I kept watching. Yeah, I know. And then like, but literally like right around the halfway point, it just felt like the whole second half sort of crumbled underneath its own setup, I guess, or like underneath its own weight. Like I just felt like it wasn't, it lost all the steam that it had going for it, and then it, it just kind of meandered in, in a way that I didn't... I don't know. But I had the exact same feelings. Yeah. I uh, I don't know. It's just... It was confusing for me just because I, I... I feel like Coen Brothers, with me at least, they're either a hit or miss. But for me, I feel like they're more miss than hit. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked Barton Fink. Um, uh, I really liked... Inside Lewin Davis, um, No Country for Old Men is a modern classic, but I feel like Oh Brother Art Thou is an okay film. I didn't really get the hype with that. Um, this film I think is just okay. Hail Caesar, I was really really bored with, did, even though I appreciated it. Did they do it. Lady Killers? Yeah, they did. It was like a remake with Tom Hanks. Yeah. Like I thought that was actually kind of bad. I don't remember. So. I just. So I don't know. I just feel like. They're really hit or miss, and like I said, for me, it's more hit miss than hit, and I feel like this one just falls right in the middle. Yeah. Um. I got I got the pre- I got I don't know it's I I got what they were going for like the style what they were going for of just like this dude just stumbles his way into a uh kidnapping def- tech detective case. Um, and he's just like not the person who should be investigating this, but he just keeps getting pushed into it. Um, kind of like the lazy anti-hero, like they said right in the beginning of the film. But I, I feel just like that shit can only go for so long before it just becomes repetitive and derivative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mhm. I love the setup. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. every every time he talks. <laughs> yeah, I I I was having the same thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. wrap up yeah i think it was like for me it was like shortly after he visits um larry or the, what's the kid's name L- lenny sanders i, or? I think i think it was larry wasn't it? i, think I it was can't larry. remember I, uh anyway when they go to the he goes to the kid's house and then pretty much from after that scene once you figure out like it, it probably wasn't the kid who took the money or whatever uh, yeah. Just all of a sudden, there it just kind of felt like, well, he, the dude, is now directionless, and so are all the people involved in this whole scheme. So then it's like, okay, well, he returns to Julianne Moore's character, and that whole scene where she's that with, was just really out of place. Yeah, like she's with Remus Lupin from Harry Potter, and there's giggling like that makes no sense, and and that scene just kind of was like, all right, like I don't know what I'm supposed to feel about any of this, and then 
and then he goes I from like there. I felt like that scene. I feel like that scene, and then coupled with um, his and Julianne Moore's sex scene, just like, I just felt like it was just out of place and not needed. Yeah. In my in my opinion. I mean, I it, it's I get again kind of what you were saying earlier. Like it's to sort of showcase like how he just keeps kind of accidentally stumbling into other people's stories that are kind of intertwined, but at the yeah. same time, it's like. I, f- I feel like you need to stick to a s- specific narrative through it uh, through it all versus like the first half of the movie I, I guess maybe that's what it is the first half of the movie sticks to a solid single narrative and then the second half of the movie starts to like okay you've got Julianne Moore's weird angle on it all then you've got the dude or not okay that's I can't call him the dude but you've got <laughs> actual Jeff Lebowski who um, is trying to get rid of his wife and then you've got the Tara Reed who's just run away and then you've got Yeah. Uh what's the third one? Oh, the the porn star dude, like, you know, and then you've got fucking um Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers and those guys, like all of a sudden you just realize there's like five completely separate groups, each with their own narrative and to me, that's it's the lack of the cohesive narrative is where it falls apart. And like, you know, what is the end goal for somebody? Oh, it's not that there's one end goal. There's five people, five groups, or five people with a bunch of different end goals. Yeah, I f- I really feel like they just like ran out of ideas to that point, and we're just like, oh fuck, we need to wrap this up. We need a, a conclusion for all of this shit, and uh, you know, let's let's just figure out like a wacky way to end it or something. Mm-hmm. Where can we take these characters? Um, but I mean, again, like that is just my bad opinions of it, but uh, the good stuff about it I loved was obviously John Goodman just stole the fucking show. Yeah. Like he was, he was great in that role, um, which I completely forgot. Uh, he was even in it. I, and I forgot Steve Buscemi was in it. And I felt like those both just, I mean, it was pretty much just John Goodman telling him to shut the fuck up the entire time, but I felt like those two played really well off of each other. I don't know how you can forget John Goodman is in this movie. He's, like, the... the... It's, it's <laughs> been, like, ten years since I've seen it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I'm, I, guess I just forgot how good he was in it. Yeah. Not necessarily, like, he was in it. Um. Yeah, for sure. Because he's, he's actually, like, the driving force behind a lot of the reasons why fucking the dude gets put into these situations. Like, he's the one who started, like, oh, you need to go find the Big Lebowski and get your rug back. And, like, oh, we need to go deliver this money and all that kind of stuff. And then he's the one who fucks up the money drop and then... Yeah, he was 100% the driving force. Yeah. Like, the reason. But my one of my favorite parts was when, uh, uh, after the neighbor beats the shit out of uh, the dude's car and he's like nailing in the post on the ground to stop the door from coming open again um, and he's just like talking on the phone with John Goodman's character and he's telling him like to like fuck off and to never talk to him again and then at the end of the conversation he's just like yeah man I'll be at bowling practice tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> so I mean like I said like we've also just been saying like there were just good parts but I just felt like the third, I just got burnt out. And I just wanted to end yeah. in some fashion. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, like just trying to overload it on content rather than 
follow one thing from its through its completion. Yeah. I think so I guess what would you how would you guys say you would want the film to finish out like if if you were to kind of go back and re reshoot it or re-edit it a bit like what what would make it better for you or like how how would you finish out the parts that were dissatisfying for me personally I think um so what after they see uh that Tara Reed's character is like back and that she never really left and then they go bowling and then Donnie dies of a heart attack uh that whole thing I think those scenes were fine and then I think the whole like uh uh ashes scene was fine i think you take out the uh urn when they're talking to the urn guy and you end it with uh the bowling tournament you end it just with them facing off jesus i think that would end up fitting in because they were just building up towards that and from a viewer i kind of wanted to see them face off against jesus and and whatnot i think you just end it with the bowling tournament because why the fuck not so like not even readdressing any of the stuff relating to the f- setup of the heist or whatever or like his rug or anything like that exactly like you just don't mention it just because this whole entire movie he never wanted to be a part of it he just wanted his rug back so like maybe mention that he gets a rug or something but he makes a smart comment about how it's not really tying the room together and then end it with the bowling tournament because um, he never wanted to be a part of the the story of this anyway Mm -hmm. so why conclude that when the main character who is supposed to be our eyes to the film doesn't want to finish it so why finish it for us kind of thing finish it the way that he wants to finish it and how he wants to finish it is just beating jesus in a bowling tournament all yeah my role in this is done. Uh, I got a bowling tournament to play. Because I feel like even though he stole the scenes that he was in, I feel like they sh- they 100% underutilized uh, John Turturro's like Jesus. Like he was amazing in his few, very few scenes, but like God, I want to see so much more of him. Well, they did they did sell the rights to him to John Turturro to do a spinoff, but on the condition that none of the original movie is mentioned and none of the side characters in the Big Lebowski are present. So he, he, yeah, he plans on doing it, but that was also, I think like in 2015 or 16 and nothing has come of it yet. So I do know that he owns the rights to the character and that that he can do whatever he wants. Yeah, see, that's all probably like that's balls the whole thing. of fury, but with bowling instead of. I guess. Instead of um, table tennis. Yeah. Uh, it'd be interesting, I guess. But. Yeah. I th- I feel like I would have wanted to see, um, like so, kind of how he stumbles his way through the movie. He eventually stumbles his way out of the conflict by like mm-hmm. you know the people the parties who are involved end up coming to a head finally rather than having him stumble through them and they finish their shit maybe we take a couple of those moments and we don't actually see him on screen so much and then he like 
somebody, I don't, I wouldn't know how, but he like gets his rug back and he's finally like, great, like got my rug or like he gets a rug or some, somebody gives him some sort of rug and like he, mm-hmm. that's all he cared about. And so then he kind of is like back at, at peace with his whole situation. And then he goes bowling something along yeah. those lines. And then, you know, cut out some of the secondary scenes where he was re, uh, revisiting like Julian Moore and revisiting the, the nihilist Germans or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think, I think it was just, they should have ended it with the bowling tournament instead of, Sam Elliott's voiceover being like, yeah, I hope they win. It should have been, do they win kind of thing. Because um, they just mention it so much throughout the movie that I feel like it was kind of a ripoff to not get that moment. Yeah, I guess. I, I guess I wasn't so attached to the bowling aspect of it that I I wouldn't have never, I would have never thought about that initially. Mm-hmm. I just feel like it was kind of hard not to, yeah. just because they have so many scenes at the bowling alley. They mentioned so many times throughout the movie of just like "fuck it, let's go bowling," and then they mentioned the tournament so much that. Would you actually uh, want to see the tournament, or just see them like show up to the tournament? Yeah, just some form of that, I guess. Just showing up. I I guess I wouldn't want the whole entire final yeah. climax of the movie be just the bowling tournament. But, I feel like it'd be nice to show them showing up and then, like, the announcer's like, all right, and here we start our turn. And then, like, then, you know, the movie could end or something like that. But I feel like actually yeah. watching them play too much bowling would kind of... Because you don't actually ever see a whole lot of bowling play happening, just the interactions in between and then the occasional throw, you know? Right. I feel like that, um, that would have made sense. <laughs> anyway and just trust them <laughs> right home about yeah I agree just kind of wrapping up his personal side of the story rather than wrapping up his connection to these people that he accidentally met, you know? Yeah. I feel like that would have been the more important bit. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it was just to be like this, like, you're about to see a story and like, he's just this wanderer who wandered into big, to the dude's life to hear about this story from him and knows about it. And he's just telling all of us about it. And it's just a a slice of true American life and the comedy that happens between it all. That's my guess. But yeah, it seemed, I don't know, kind of weird to actually see him talking, I guess. I don't know. Mm. I don't I don't like I don't know. I guess I kind of pretty much made clear my feelings towards yeah. it. I don't hate it as much as I used to, but I still don't think it's that great of a movie. I don't really understand the love affair. Yeah, I, I'd probably I mean, give but, it a solid five or six out of ten. I it's it starts super strong and then second half isn't nearly as strong. Mm. Uh, I remember them. There was a 
an article I was reading right after I watched it um, that talked about how like each uh, character in the movie represented a religion. Um, that's, I guess that's a popular theory with the movie. Uh, and I only bring that up is because I don't know if you guys noticed that, but I didn't really no, I didn't notice that. that. But uh, yeah, I didn't know if it was just like me. Like I don't know. I feel like a lot of people are putting words into um, or more meanings into the movie and the actions than there really is. I feel like they just are diving way too deep. Yeah. It's just like, damn, guys, this it's just a movie. Like it, there's no political message well that's why like i always wonder like how stuff becomes a cult classic it's like you know Mm -hmm. how what is it about this that made it this huge thing where people always say like oh it's the big lebowski it's like the it's the big lebowski you know like what is it just because of the cast or like i don't know how does it become this cult classic and what else go ahead yeah You know, like, is it the environment at the time in film? Like, was this super weird compared to everything else that was releasing at the time? Or, like, I don't know. Because they, they had definitely been around for a decade, the Coen brothers were, when this movie got released. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, the, the, Karen and I looked it up, too, and, like, the whole uh, cast had been, all individually been in really solid stuff prior to that, too. So it's not like yeah. it's not like it launched any of their careers per se either. Yeah. Like it's a stoner classic or something. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I agree. Nonchalant. So, yeah, I, I'm i really curious, I, ever since I finished watching it, I've just kind of been thinking about the nature of, of cult classics and, like, what makes something a cult classic. And then I was trying to think, like, what is what would you say is the most recent or a couple of the most recent cult classic films that have come out? 
because like I was having a really hard time thinking of anything in the last like ten years that people go like oh like it's it, it, oh, this great movie it's such it has it's like a cult classic where it's mm. like super popular but not financially popular I guess I don't know um comes with time. I feel like kind of Scott Pilgrim versus the world could fall under that. All right. How like it it did well critically when it got released but not financially. Yeah. Um but it kind of has found a second life. That on, was um Edgar Wright. Like right? Yeah. So I feel like that kind of could fall maybe a little bit in that recent category of films that are kind of cult classics right now, or like cult movies, not necessarily a classic, but could end up being a classic in about another 10 years. Um, I think I would argue that Scott Pilgrim is kind of a cult classic. I think it's a completely different audience compared to certain, well, I guess every cult classic has its own specific audience, but... Well, yeah, because like... You know, there's, like, Napoleon Dynamite is considered, like, a cult film. Oh, yeah. And the same audience that are, is watching that probably isn't watching, you know, a Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. Which is a cult classic. So, you know, ironically, too, like, Days Confused is in some way considered a cult classic because it bombed when it was released in theaters. And then uh, on home video, it just became this whole other thing and got passed down from time to time. So... There's definitely, like, weird um, audiences for different movies mm-hmm. um, that consider movies, like, certain cult classics. And that, I guess that's where the term, you know, the cult comes from. It's just, like, they just love their movies. They love this movie so much. Um, I think any movie that has, like, a fest associated to it, so, like, The Big Lebowski has a fest associated with it um the room is probably the quintessential classic movie i would i would argue because there's every time it gets shown in theater it's the only movie that gets shown in fucking theaters that has been released for 15 years yeah but like i just i can't i I guess so scott pilgrim is a good example and, and napoleon dynamite i guess is too but other than those two i i feel like all the way back to like the very early two like 2003 is when the room came out and then besides that you know maybe donnie darko in 2001 but like nothing there hasn't really been a cult classic film in the last 15 years for other than those two that we already slither. mentioned slither S- slither I don't, um i, don't know, I know that's know pretty that highly regarded uh in like horror comedy genres and fans uh james gunn did that uh, it's just about like a flesh-eating virus. Um, well, that's that's part of what I was wondering if the nature of digital movies instead of hard copy movies and like, it's one thing to have a collection and you know you're going out and spending money buying DVDs so you're gonna get people who are like oh I have a copy of Clockwork Orange and I watch it every Halloween or something like that versus if you if all you do is have digital media you, you you might not be the same way i guess i don't know yeah i definitely think it's it's, it's shifting i feel like from part that. of part of it has to do with the budget of films too 
like all of these movies are sort of made in in a time where before we reach this area where we're doing a bunch of sequels and we're doing a bunch of reboots so it's like the kind of the high maybe not the high water mark but a, a solid two or three decades where independent film ideas were getting funded a lot because it was you know they could throw 15 million and that's something 20 30 million at something and make an actual movie versus nowadays i feel like due to budget stuff there's really very few times that you do a 30 million dollar budget movie and if it is it's like a comedy from a well-known comedian or a mm. oscar-winning drama think piece type of stuff but other than that it's I feel like it's like maybe really, Hollywood playing it safe. There definitely is that now. Like the middle, the thirty to sixty million dollar drama budget movies are just non-existent anymore. Hmm. Um, they are, but more so like on the streaming side, like Amazon and Netflix. Um, you see a lot more like independent studios, like A twenty four and Bloomhouse. They make movies for pennies on the dollar, but then they have. Uh, they do the movies do really really well critically and um financially you know like yeah um the new halloween movie is getting only made for like 10 million dollars like that's going to make that in its opening weekend yeah. easily um and then uh you had get out recently you know won an oscar and that was made for like eight million dollars so and what, it what if it has to do with like people's ability to quickly find out that movies are good yeah, because so so if you think about it, very few movies have been cult classics since 2003, roughly the same time the internet was booming. Yeah. So like, you I know, definitely the access to all that now. Back in 1998 when it. Big Lebowski came out, people weren't going on to Reddit and Facebook and being like, "Oh shit, I just watched the Big Lebowski, it was so good, y'all have to see it." It would be yeah. somebody would see it. Uh, a handful of people would see it opening weekend and then it would leave theaters after a couple weeks and then the people who really liked it would buy it in DVD and show their friends and it would, yeah, mm-hmm. slow word of mouth over the years. Huh. I I, yeah. I feel like that's got to be at least part of it. Well, yeah, because they, they heavily relied on, you know, the, the DVD sales and VHS sales and then, like, the cable rights. So I definitely probably had plays a part in it. Well, that would explain stuff like, you know, Get Out or, or Avatar that their first weekends were not big. But then as they the following weeks happened because of good word of mouth and that in the digital age when you can tell everybody everything super quick, it's all that does information spreads. And then suddenly for the first eight weeks in theaters, people are like churning out in droves to come see it. Mm hmm definitely it'd be interesting to see where the um how far we're shifting to that side and just like the the atmosphere of the movie industry i mean just how ever-changing it is it's going to be interesting to see even in five years how different the landscape is going to be um just countless more streaming sites are going to pop up i feel like you really think so i feel like if anything it's going to be starting to be an issue where too many streaming sites is going to cause too many of them to fail. Mm -hmm. I think... No, no, you go.
I, th I think I, I read that it's, it's like all of their content, basically. Yeah. God, I'm so there. I, I meant more like, so Netflix and Amazon are going more so towards the original content route. And I feel like within the next five years, um, Disney already is doing that. But I feel like there's going to be more at least a few more streaming sites that are going to come around and be like, we're not going to make original content. We just want to host these movies and you guys watch these movies. Well, that's going to be hard to do when there's only... The, at least from the smaller end of it. When there's only three people making movies, you know, if, if Disney is a third of the market and they have their own stuff that they're not giving to other streaming sites, you know, that's an entire third of the mm -hmm. market out. And then you've got Comcast is Universal Studios is, you know, all of that. Paramount, I think. Well, it could, it could, it could still be um, from people that are already uh, around. I mean, like Filmstruck is a streaming service that popped up last year, and like they show Criterion movies, um, and then like TCM Classics. So like they weren't necessarily a streaming service before last year, but they um, have rights to those movies that were made before. Mm -hmm. So something like that, like you know, like Paramount is is they opened up their streaming service. And now they're getting in the original content. You know, before two years ago, Paramount didn't have a streaming service. So not necessarily like a guy in his basement comes up with a streaming service. But I see more uh, TV channels or movie studios or the like come up with their own version of streaming services where everything isn't going to be pulled into just a Netflix pool or bubble. It's going to be... Disney has their own one, Paramount has their own one, Universal has their own one, and they're just going to be wanting to showcase their movies and original content. Doesn't that just kind of sound like cable for movies, though? Like, yeah. if you've got a bunch <laughs> of different companies each churning out their own content, and you're buying a bunch of them in a package, like, that's... Well, yeah, I just don't put it past them, though, because they're going to try to make money whenever they can. Yeah. And uh, they're already... Yeah, I, they're already you know watching the death rattle of cable TV, so they're gonna want to try to figure out how to survive. And I think I think personally, this is just my opinion. The internet, the streaming services, is where they're gonna try, at least try to do it. I mean, whether they succeed or even attempt to, you know, that's left to be imagined. Mm -hmm. But I, just my personal opinion, I think we'll see it. Interesting. Yeah, I, I just feel like the more that start getting added on, the I, I don't know. I just I I don't see it necessarily being like a competition standpoint type thing. But I, I guess I could be wrong. I don't know. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know what the, you know, if, by Disney adding their stuff, you know, all, I don't know. I just don't, like, what would that cause Netflix to do other than make their own superhero movies or, you know, I mean, that's continue making more animated. with right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it'll be interesting to see the next, I don't know, decades worth of TV and movie release stuff. How it mm. changes and, and what causes it to change. Yeah. I remember it being like this accidental thing that uh like back in high school Kara and I were uh it was like spring break I think or something like that and my family had had the that Netflix discs or something and suddenly we'd realized maybe it was like they sent us a flyer or a disc that was like hey insert this disc into your gaming device and you'll be able to watch stuff without a disc and I was like what? <laughs> watching movies without without a disc what are you crazy and so like i installed it onto my nintendo wii and then i remember watching you know like seasons of weeds back to back and that was like the in, my introduction to what binging was at the time and then you know karen and i watched four seasons of a show in three days and yeah. thinking just like this is awesome and then suddenly just like that's now that's universally known and everybody does it Yeah. I think mine was yeah, mine breaking bad is up there for me too. Right around the same time as like Weeds and Lost. It probably was for me too because I remember watching it right before the 5th season of Breaking Bad started and that was like my only access to it and trying to finish it before the last episode. Oh, I mean, like, there are entire shows that owe their success, I would say, to Netflix, Breaking Bad being one of them. Like, I, I, I remember the, hearing the about... Office. Huh? I think The Office, too. Maybe it's like, for its how, longevity. How popular. Yeah. But yeah, well, yeah, how they remain popular. And then uh, Shameless. Like, nobody talked... I remember nobody talking about Shameless until it got put on Netflix, and then every fucking buddy was talking about Shameless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's like a little sort of like gatekeeping in a way. Just like, yeah, I've been watching it. <laughs> yeah. No, I, well, I think it, it is destroying certain things, but it's it improved on a lot of other things and a lot of other areas, and the things it destroyed weren't necessarily good, you know? I think what it did is it kind of wrecked the old model of the way people found out about things, and what that allowed for is, 
you know, your bankable uh, stereotypical shows like, you know, Cosby show and, and, you know, these family sitcoms don't matter so much when you can have slim marketing budget, but good word of mouth on Netflix because you, you know, they just gave you a good deal, you know, a la Breaking Bad. And then all of a sudden the good word of mouth, because you don't need to have a marketing budget anymore, or you don't need to have as big of a marketing budget. And suddenly everybody can discover your stuff and then you become popular. It, 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 to one degree, it destroys people wanting to go pay 20 bucks to sit through a movie they probably didn't like, but then to another degree, it forces the hand of people to create better movies that are dragging people out to the theaters, and it forces shows to have to be competitive to other shows with with great quality writing and to put more money into it, hence why we're mm-hmm. kind of in that golden age of television. Definitely. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> I was just super curious about uh, why we haven't had podcasts in a while. <laughs> I mean, we pretty much hit on everything with Big Lebowski could offer anyway. It is the unknown podcast. We never said it was strictly about movie reviews. Just uh, hear us talk about shit. Yeah. <laughs> My so, the one thing I the one thing I did notice, um, the two examples that you guys said, uh, are from directors who now have like really solid careers, and I, so I'm wondering if like, by virtue of a cult classic, it's like, a movie that, a it wasn't super financially successful, but was critically at least semi well received, um, and then it had good word of mouth, and then now there are fans who watch it all the time because it is whatever and so it involved people who went on to have solid careers back when they were not given big enough budgets so like we it was edgar wright and um what james gunn and then they Mm -hmm. went on to be like superhero like huge budget filmmakers in that regard and then other related stuff another thing i was thinking of is to that degree, you know, so Community, the TV show, I would say, is kind of like a cult classic television show. And the Russo brothers got their job on Captain America because of an episode of Community. So it's like that kind of thing where, you know, people who are really skilled do stuff with a low budget. And then 10 years later, people go back and go, oh, shit, these guys who are super popular now did this really awesome stuff I didn't know about from 10 years ago. Yeah. Arrested Development was a good example. Yeah. Or like Rocky Horror Picture Show.
I mean, I, I think we kind of nailed it. it. Yeah, I don't think people necessarily watch Big Lebowski every single week in a theater like Rocky or a picture show or The Room, but it's got a big enough following that there's people who, if you re-released it every two years in theaters, somebody would go see it a fair amount. Versus, I don't know how many people are, would rewatch Shrek 4 in theaters. I'd see the first Shrek in theaters. It is. I, <laughs> I watched it again uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's annoying how, like, good it is still. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, God, that fucking Smash Mouth song. Just right at the start of the movie. It just sets it so nice. I was like, all right, guys. Shrek. This is what we're Shrek doing. fell victim of its own sequels, where it's like the rest of the franchise kind of sours the taste in your mouth of the first one. But going back and watching it, like it, it really is pretty high quality. I don't know. That's my opinion. Kind of the same as like Despicable Me. The first one is actually a really solid film, and funny good message actually it's so far been the exact same formula so shrek did the first one the second one the third one puss in boots and then the fourth one and despicable me did the first one the second one they just did the third one and then they did minions (laughs) or i guess it was minions and then the third one so all they need to do is create a fourth one and it's the literal same blueprint perfect I guess what do you what do you say we wrap this up I'm, Papa's getting tired let's throw some uh, provolone and some turkey on this cause that uh, this is a wrap folks <laughs> well uh we'll f- I was just gonna, I was gonna do your shut, job. You can do it. Up. Just do it. No, <laughs> no. I'm gonna yeah. cut him off. Somebody shut do it. Up. You shut your mouth up. <laughs> Later. Bye.